Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone here. So glad that you came. Uh, I'm also so glad for all the volunteers that help us do what we do. Uh, I was reminded of that this morning. I was, I was reading a, a prayer from another pastor. Uh, it's just not about me, and I thank all, especially the volunteers, for all your help. Good Sunday to be here. We're starting a new series titled Without a Doubt. Today's topic is trusting God, or trust God with everything. Question. So let's pray. And I'd ask you to pray for me. I woke up this morning. I couldn't see well out of one eye. It cleared up eventually. I was getting a little concerned as I was studying this morning. So hopefully it's just uh, one of those things. So thank you for your prayers. Father God, thank you. It's great to be here this morning. I thank you for each person you've brought. Uh, God, we know you had something very special for us. Uh, let your spirit work and speak and move and touch us, change us. Uh, God, we're here to give you praise. It's really about you. Uh, but your love for us brings about those changes. God, I thank you for this series. I thank you for the opportunity to teach your word. We thank you for, thank you for your word, what it has, has to instruct us and correct us and to give us guidance. Uh, use these words for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So what are some things you do have no doubts about? So I, I thought a lot about this and so a couple things I came up with. I have no doubt that sometime this evening the sun is going to go down. Anybody doubt that? All right, and tomorrow morning the sun will come back up. Anybody doubt that one? I have no doubt it's going to be hot this week. Anybody doubt that? It's July in Maryland. so it's, um, I have no doubts, though, but in October the leaves will change. Anybody doubt that? And then probably in, uh, this, in January I have no doubt it's going to be cold. All right, no doubts about that. <clears throat> uh, I had no doubts about the fact that I can run 50 miles because I've done it a few times, right? So I had no doubts about that. I had no doubts that airplanes fly, so I've been on an airplane. Um, I have no doubts that my wife loves me. She's stuck with me for 40 years, <laughs> all right? So I don't need much more proof than that. <clears throat> uh, so I, there's a lot of things I don't have any doubts about. Now, on the other hand, there are some things I have some doubts about. For example, I doubt if it's going to rain tomorrow. Anybody know it's going to rain tomorrow? I don't. I have doubts about that. Um, I have doubts about who's going to win the presidential election. Um, not that it really matters too much, probably, but I, I don't know. I have doubts. Uh, I do not have any doubts that our country will continue past November, right? We don't have any doubts about that. Um, but what about God? Where does God fit into that doubts or no doubts? Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about for a few weeks. <clears throat> um, and my goal, whether you're a new believer or been a believer a long time, uh, is that you'll leave this morning and the, during this series with more, or I guess with less doubt, <laughs> more belief that you don't have to have doubt, specifically about God. We're going to start off with a verse we'll probably use, uh, a passage we'll use several times during this series. And it's pretty familiar if you're, you're a church person. And uh, it tells us how and why to be without doubt when it comes to God. So, it's in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs written by Solomon, the smartest person that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ, right? So, whatever he has to say is probably going to be pretty wise. So, Starts out this way. Trust in the Lord with all 
your heart. Not just 50%, not 60%, not 95%, not 99%. All means what? All. Actually, this word shows up twice in this passage, so it's really important. All means the whole thing. So, Jesus doesn't want something from you. Jesus wants everything from you and from me, right? So, trust in the Lord with all your heart. <clears throat> Lean not or depend, do not depend on your own understanding. So here, here's, a, here's the way you can think about it. I have this thought, and God says this. If they don't match, which one do you believe? All right. Now, sometimes we believe this one. Uh, the problem is, you've ever been wrong? <laughs> I've been wrong. I've been wrong a lot. So if, what I think or I believe doesn't match God. Has God ever Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> so when they don't match, I don't depend on my understanding, my beliefs, my leanings, but I lean on his understanding. Besides, have you lied to yourself? <laughs> You've even lied to yourself. Who's, who's let you down more than anybody else? You've let yourself down more than anybody else. <clears throat> and so, lean on our own understanding. Now, you have to know God about God, about the Bible, we'd say, to understand or be able to lean on it. So that's why it's critical to, to read your Bible and study it and, together and to pray and all these things. So you know what you're leaning on or what you can lean on. And he goes on. In all your ways, submit to him. There's the word all again. What does all mean? All your ways, not some of your ways, not sometimes, and not other times, but in all your ways, submit <clears throat> to him. Not just when it's convenient, not just when you want to, not just when it's easy, but in all your ways. <clears throat> Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first God's kingdom or God's will, and <laughs> he says you'll take care of the rest. So that's what you need to do first. Then, that's the how, and then there's a promise that tells us why we should do all this. And he ends with this, and he, meaning God, will make your path straight. Now, this is what I know about all of you. All of you want a straight path. I've never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, I wish I had a crooked path. I wish I had a twisted path. Uh, another translation says, make your uh, 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 direction straight, or give you direction we all want direction. We don't want it confusing. <clears throat> so, this is the verse we're going to come, actually we're going to come back to over and over this morning, and we'll come back to it over and over in this series. <clears throat> so, what's important to you in certain areas of your life? I'm going to go through some tough areas where we have trouble trusting God. We're going to do a countdown here. Now, that's not in the Bible. It's just from, well, reading the Bible and from life experience. So, one area we have trouble trusting God is our career. Now, <clears throat> life is too short to hate your job. It just is. And besides, you're going to have a story to tell one day. When you get to heaven, you're going to have a story to tell, right? And do you want your story to say, well, I worked at so-and-so place for 40 years. I hated it every day. And then they gave me, I retired, they gave me a watch, and they forgot about me, then I died. Now, does anybody want that to be their story? 
So if you don't want to be that, that to be your story, don't live that story, right? Now, I don't say go quit your job tomorrow and be financially you know, irresponsible. But I forget who it said. I think it might have been Mark Twain. Find a job you love and you never work another day in your life. Another way to think about it is, would you do this job if you weren't getting paid? I would do my job. I have done my job. Without getting, I've gotten done this without being paid before. All right. <clears throat> but it's tough to trust God with your job, with your career. Uh, God made you with a purpose. He wired you a certain way, and there's certain things you're just good at and certain things you enjoy and other things. And I, we've all done those jobs we don't like short periods of time. I hate to paint. One summer I painted, during college I painted because that was a job that I had and I had to have a job. So we all do that short term. But long term, trust God with your career. On the other side, if you're a Jesus follower, you're in full-time Christian service. Not just me because you all pay my salary. If you're a Jesus follower, you're in full-time Ministry, full-time service. You are following Jesus and a witness for Jesus and a testimony for Jesus 24-7. So whatever job you're at, it's not so much about you, but it's about him. It's about Jesus. Someone said it this way. If you make it about Jesus, you don't have to worry about climbing the ladder. Jesus will pull you up the ladder. All right? <clears throat> but people say, well, I love to do this, but I can make more money doing this. And so it's, obviously it's a choice. But all that money, or the difference in the money, whatever that money buys, you can't take it with you, can you? So, can you trust God, can you, with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding as it comes to your career? And in all your ways, submit yourself to him or seek him. And he says he'll make, give you direction. So that's one area. Career is a tough area to trust God. Uh, second area is kids. All right? Anybody have trouble trusting God with their kids? Um, first time you came to a church and brought your kids and left them in some, some room somewhere? That's a tough thing to do, isn't it? From strangers? Yeah. Trusting your kids. Of course, most of us are in the grandkids and great-grandkids phase, uh, but it still, still applies. And if any time your child got hurt, you took them to a medical professional and you were trusting them to fix your child, whether it's a broken bone or some kind of illness, it's tough to trust people with your kid. Now, a couple things to remind you of. God loved your kid, your grandkids, before you did. And he loves them more than you do. So how do you parent? And I got thinking, my kids got 18, I had to stop parenting. Do you stop parenting at 18? <laughs> Once a parent, always a parent, right? <laughs> so how do you parent? Well, I would suggest you parent this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or seek him and he'll make your paths straight. You didn't put that up, but that's all right. <laughs> we'll go to the next one. <laughs> there it is. All right, another area. Tough to trust God. Relationships. Wow. Some of you are married. I'm married. It's tough to trust God in marriage, especially on the tough days 
when you're going like this. Nobody else does that? Just Deb and I? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes. And maybe some of you are in one of those tough times right now. Are you trusting God through that? And some of you are single or single again. Now, for the younger singles, not too many in this service. I don't know if Tammy left. Is she still in here? <laughs> anyway, uh, got a couple stages for single people. And I went through one of these anyway. The 21 to about 25 is the uh-oh stage if you're not married. Now, see what happened to me. I turned 21, my sister May, most of you know. She turned 20 and got married. The next year when I turned 22, my brother Pierce turned 20, and he got married. So, uh-oh, right? Uh, they're just passing me by. All right, right at the end of that, 25, I got married. So, I didn't hit, hit the 25 to 30 stage. That's the oh-no. I'm 26 and still not married. And, of course, once you get to 30... It's, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> that's just if you want to be married. Some of you are lifetime singles. That's fine. <clears throat> so, relationships. Tough to trust God. So, what's my suggestion? What's God's suggestion? Well, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. So, if you're single and you're doing the best you can and you don't want to be single, you just keep trusting God. And then seek Him and He will make your path straight. Another area to trust God, and this is a little more uh, difficult to talk about, and this is my other life. Now, what do I mean by that? <clears throat> uh, one of the problems we have in, in American Christianity is this. Christianity is accepting an invitation to go to heaven when you die. Who won't do that? Is that Christianity? That's not Christianity. Christianity is being more and more like Jesus, Right? And so if you've got these, these habits, these hang-ups, these addictions that you're not willing to confess, you're not willing to deal with, you're not willing to talk about, and, you, you know, your Christianity is, it's okay because <laughs> I got a ticket for heaven when I die. Well, the downside of that, your spirituality, your Christian life becomes very, dries up as long as you could hold on to that, uh, that habit or that addiction. So my plea for you this morning is that you would trust the Lord with that and not lean on your own understanding. Maybe you think I can, you, can't, you can't fix it, you can't deal with it. Well, that's not true. Seek Him and He will make your path straight. Don't put the next one up. I want people to guess. I think the top, number one area that's tough for people to trust God. Who wants to guess? Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> With your finances, with your money, and it's interesting that today financial peace class starts this afternoon. And I don't know what the statistics are on there, but I, what I came across this week was 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. You know what that means? If you lose your job, you're in financial crisis immediately. If you just miss one paycheck, you're in financial crisis immediately. 70%. Now, I don't believe that's true of our congregation, but if it was... I don't know how many people are here, but uh, if there was what? Let me get figure up 35 of you. <laughs> no, what's it? say there was 100 of you. 70 of you would be living. My math's not too good this morning. Sorry. <laughs> I should have got Greg figured out for me. But, uh, uh, you know, 70 of you would be living paycheck to paycheck. And of course, debt is huge in our country. Of course, mortgages would be the, the, the largest debt. 
The third largest debt is, is credit card debt, which is usually debt for stuff that's already used up. <laughs> you know, you put your vacation on, on a credit card or, you know, Christmas gifts, and then you're paying for it after it's already over. But you know the number, the second one, this was kind of surprising to me, the second largest cause of debt in, in America is? And for most of us, you probably even think about it. Student loans. We tell kids it's smart to go to college and run up a $100,000 debt and then get a job that pays $35,000 a year. Does that make sense? No. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> sometimes we are, just have passing thoughts about things. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, some years ago, we would go by this restaurant over in Braddock called Hagen's Tavern. We said, hey, it looks a really interesting place, historical place. You know, I don't know, George Washington or somebody had stopped there. And we just never stopped in there. And one time, day, we got a coupon in the mail to go there. So we went there. You know, it was a passing thought. But once we went there, it immediately became our favorite restaurant. So then whenever we thought about going out to eat, where did we think? What was our priority? If we could afford it. <laughs> was to go to Haken's Tavern. Now, the fascinating thing was, not long after that, the owners, Jeff and Dee, some of you know them, began to attend our church. So it even became more of a priority for us. So originally it was a passing thought, then it became a priority. <clears throat> so, uh, bring the next slide up, please. Next slide. Trust begins when we make God a priority, not just a passing thought. And so that's what he promises to do in our careers, our relationships, with our kids, with our finances, whatever it might be. Now, we're going to look at a story from the Bible, and there's lots of stories we could use. This is a fascinating story, a really interesting story, I think, uh, about the life of Elijah. And Elijah was this great prophet in the Old Testament, maybe one of the greatest, actually one of the greatest, prophets. And we're going to look at a really interesting time in his life. He's living in a time of drought in uh, the nation of Israel. And so God says, hey, go down here by this brook and there's water for you there. And not only is there going to be water for you there, I'm going to have the ravens come and feed you. Now, what better deal can you have than that? Especially during a drought. Water to drink and food to eat. Now, I want to highlight something before we go on with the story. Nothing causes drought, doubt like drought, does it? If you're in a dead-end job, it's hard to, tr hard, hard to trust God, right? If you've lost your job, hard to trust God. If your marriage is rocky, it's hard, isn't it? If you're single and don't want to be single, it's hard. And if you're kind of upside down in your finances and it's a drought, the income isn't coming in like you expected or it was, it's hard, it's easy to doubt when you're in a drought. So in a drought, what do you need? Oh, a regular drought. What do you need? i show you this video. I think it's catch your attention at least.
Victorians, I welcome you to our great day of deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Acolytes, prepare the holy spigot! newcomer amongst us today, my friends. A man I think needs little introduction to you. So bold has been his entry into our fair society. Mr. Rango, would you step forward? The time has come, my friend. The time that was foretold. The sacred time. The time of destiny! The time of deliverance! It is the time of hydration! (laughs) So that's not what you need in a time of drought, right? I enjoyed the enthusiasm uh, of the crowd. So, Elijah's, God's blessed Elijah, he set him up with this water and food during this drought. And then we pick up the story in 1 Kings 17, verse 7. But after a while, the brook dried up. There was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Now, I don't know about... Well, we'll know about Elijah, but I don't know about you, but I'm in that case, I'm saying, wait a minute, God. You told me to come here, that this brook was going to supply me water, and actually you threw in some food too, and now it's gone. What's, what's going on here? You, you knew, you're God, you know. I would be complaining. Doesn't God know? The brook, he knew it was water here, and now it's gone. But Elijah doesn't complain. Fascinating. Why doesn't he complain? Because he has no doubt. And then the next verse is fascinating. It says this. Then the Lord said to Elijah. Uh, God speaks to us in times of drought. We have no need to doubt when there's drought. God never wastes a drought. God never wastes anything, actually, does he? So in his drought, God spoke. And here's what he says. <laughs> Go in the li- live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon, and I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, there's all kinds of problems here, but before we get to that, who, has, who can share with me a dream vacation either that you want to go on or that you've gone on? What is your dream vacation? If you had all the money in the world and you had all the time in the world and you could go anywhere and do anything, where would you go? Somebody, tell me. All right, what? Alaska. Alaska. You hadn't been there? You've been there. All right, right. and you'd go back? All right. I heard another one over here somewhere. (laughs) Come on, somebody else spoke up. Italy. Have you been there? Huh? Venice, but not... Yeah, a little bit. All right. So you'd recommend it? Yeah. Okay. Someone else? 
Williamsburg, like in Virginia? Have you been there? You've never been there. I've been there a bunch of times. It's a pretty cool place. I wouldn't say it's my dream vacation. Well, maybe you can get there someday. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really historical. We're kind of going on a dream vacation. We think in October, celebrate our 20th, uh, 40th, 20th, 40th anniversary. <laughs> Double that. Uh, a lot of you have been on cruises, but we're afraid of the ocean, so we're going to go on a river cruise. We don't have to worry about all that seasickness stuff. So actually in France. And on top of that, since we're both vegans now, it's a vegan cruise. So all the food we can eat. So that's pretty awesome. So we pray that that actually happens. But anyway, uh, dream vacation. Well, the reason I brought that up is because if you lived in Elijah's day, Zarephath would be the last place on your list. (laughs) Okay? Nobody goes or went to Zarephath. On top of that, this is not in Israel. This is in another country. This is a foreign country. This is a pagan place that God was sending him to. And worst of all, he was sending him to a widow. Now, some of you are widows and you have money. Did widows in Elijah Day have money? No. (laughs) They were the poorest people around were the widows. So, here's the situation. (laughs) Elijah has no food or water, and God says, go to the last place on earth you'd want to go. It's a pagan city uh, outside of Israel, and I want you to go to a poor widow. That sounds really promising, doesn't it? (laughs) Now, he's really taking Elijah out of his comfort zone. That's the way we'd say it today, right? Would Elijah ever left that stream if it hadn't dried up? Neither would you or I. And so sometimes you and I get in the area of drought because God loves us enough to say, hey, you need to get out of your comfort zone. And so what did Elijah do? He trusted God with all his heart and he didn't lean on his own understanding because this made no sense at all, did it? So what happens? He goes. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Now, here's how, there's lots of reasons, but this story gives you a good reason why to believe the Bible is true. Watch what happens. She goes to get the water. And he calls out to her, oh, while you're there, bring me a bite of bread too. Now, have you ever had this happen to you? <laughs> Maybe your parents, you know, uh, why don't you go out in the garage and get me this? And while you're out in the garage, wash the car, you know, or take the trash out. Um, anybody in authority, maybe a boss, hey, uh, would you run to the store and get this or go to some place and get this? And by, by the way, will you pick up my lunch while you're out or pick up my laundry while you're out? <laughs> This is one of the reasons you know the Bible's true, because the people in the Bible act just like we, you and I act. So he oh, while you're there, by the way, bring me a bite of bread too. <clears throat> now, he's being set up for a huge disappointment. And we've all been disappointed, whether it's in career things or relationship things. And I feel a little sad sharing this, but I don't know, a month or so ago, 
I've been really busy building a house, somebody's house. <laughs> and uh, so my wife and I haven't had much time together. So Jared had to go fly to Florida, be in somebody's friend's wedding. And so I think it was a Wednesday. We were going to take him to the airport. And we said, hey, why don't we spend some time together? Let's go down, you know, Inner Harbor and walk around. The problem was, I think it was a Wednesday. On Tuesday, Richard and I were working on a house, and I dropped a large joist on my foot. <clears throat> So uh, I didn't think about it. So we get out of the car and we start walking around the inner harbor and my foot hurts. Actually, I'm actually limping. So, you know, my wife and I are expecting this great time together for a few hours and I'm limping. She's feeling bad because I'm limping and I'm feeling bad because I'm messing up the whole thing. And then uh, we uh, wanted to eat at a vegan restaurant and we Googled it and it was like, over a half a mile away. So I limped there, and we get there. It started pouring down rain. The lady fortunately just opened. It was 11 o'clock, whatever time it was, and opened and let us in. And then we're at this two-hour parking. By the time we finished eating, the two hours up. So we had to rush back to the car, again limping. And so I really felt bad. I had disappointed my wife uh, on that day. Now that's not a major disappointment, but it was a disappointment. So we all have had disappointments, haven't we? Maybe in your career, maybe in relationships, you know, maybe in your finances. The question is, have you ever been disappointed with God? So, he set up for this huge disappointment because here's what happens. I swear by the Lord, your God. Now, this wasn't her God. She's a pagan, right? <laughs> so, Elijah's there. He's making this request of this of this person doesn't even believe in his God. He said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in this house. I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Now, if I, again, if I'm Elijah, I'm saying, but God, <laughs> I did what you said. I went to this foreign country, I found this widow, and she's as poor as can be, like I expected, and that's what you told me to do. Is that what Elijah does? No, because he is trusting the Lord with all his heart, right? So what's he do? He says to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. That makes sense? That makes sense, does it? Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Sometimes it doesn't, simply doesn't make sense. So what happens? But this is what the Lord your God of Israel says. There will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow Again, now notice, did, it say, did he say you'd be rich? You're going to have a castle? No, he said you would have just enough. And that's God's promise to us, right? You'll, you'll have just enough. You don't necessarily be rich. Again, like I said, I think last week, most of us are pretty rich, but it doesn't promise us that. But why can God promise us we'll have just enough? Is God limited by your circumstances or mine? No, he, he's not limited by anything. So that's why he can promise us anything. So what happens, and probably you know the end of the story. <laughs> so she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat.
for many days. So, let's review. Tough areas to trust God. You trust God with all your heart in your career. I think you begin to see your job differently. You see the people you work with differently, won't you? Trusting God with your kids or your grandkids. Now, fortunately, most of us have probably seen people that really can trust God with their kids, and they're good role models for us to be able to trust God and kind of let go uh, with our kids. Relationships. Maybe you're wanting to leave, feel like you need to leave, and God is saying, stay. And maybe you're wanting to stay, and God says, no, it's time for this relationship to end. My other life. You never have peace until you're set free from that other thing. And financially, financial peace, it's called, university. When you turn it over to God, you have peace. And again, that's probably the hardest area for us. And it's strange because it's one of those tangible things. It's hard for me to understand, am I trusting God completely with my kids? I don't know. But it's pretty easy to see if I'm trusting God with my finances or not. And one way that we do that is we give God the first 10%. It's 10, 10, 80 as far as financial peace is concerned. You pay yourself the next 10% and live on 80%. Now, it's fascinating. When you teach kids about tithing, we call it tithing, you lay out some coins, maybe 10 quarters, and you say, God gets the first one. Now, what's the kid's reaction? You mean I get to keep nine? That's a pretty big deal. That's pretty good. In fact, with our kids, we get 33, 33, 33. God gets a third, you, get to, you save a third, and you get to spend a third. Right? They still thought that wasn't a bad deal. <clears throat> but when we become adults and we think, I made a thousand bucks and I got to give God a hundred, all of a sudden it becomes hard. And we say, I can't. And we tell our kids, I can't because I'm the father and I have to pay the bills. And you know what I hear God saying? I'm the father. I'll take care of your bills. So, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, depend not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, seek his will, and he will make your path straight or give you direction. What would that look like in your life? God provided for Elijah and this widow and her family 3,000 years ago when they trusted God. And you know, I know it's true because I've been trusting God for 50 years. So I know it's true. And most of you do. But is there some area of your life where you're not trusting God? You need to step out of your comfort zone. Will God keep his promise? (laughs) Dumb question, right? (laughs) Does God know how to provide for you? Me? And let me just end with this. God loved you before you existed. And God loves you more than you can imagine. Let's pray. God, uh, it's kind of uh, even hard to think that we would even doubt you, but we do. 
And especially if we're newer believers, we don't have that track record with you. But even after 50 years sometimes, doubts creep in. Uh, forgive us. We thank you that you do. Uh, let the story of Elijah be an example to us, an uh, encouragement to us to trust you with necessities like food and water, not just uh, luxuries. And whether it's our careers or with our kids or our grandkids or other relationships or with that uh, habit, that addiction, that hang-up, or with our finances, God, let's today say, yes, I'm going to trust you with it all. Wow, the peace and joy that comes. We thank you that we can trust you, God, completely, totally, 100%. In your name we pray, amen.